0: Well, good morning again, always good to be back in Claremont, we always enjoy our visits here. Um, I already questioned Rod Sales' pitch, uh, (laughs) announcing that I would be one of the speakers. I don't know if that's going to have a positive or (laughs) a negative effect on that. Uh, but There will be another speaker there too who is very, very good. So make sure that uh, you do (laughs) come out for that. Today, we're going to be uh, continuing uh, kind of a train of thought that I had, as I mentioned from the beginning. We had six lessons with you folks, and um, the Lord lays on my heart because people say, you know, we like to have you minister what the Lord lays on your heart, okay? So that's what I have to do. And it's interesting, uh, what we've done is a series of things here, and there is a purpose in mind by the time I get done, and we're getting to that purpose today. Uh, It's interesting, these lessons, I didn't put them together uh, all at once here to do this. Some of these I put together back in 207, some in 212, uh, some, I think, one of them in 213. I didn't really have these lessons in mind when I came out here. Uh, I just brought some along. But, you know, as the Lord uh, prayed about this, these are the things that the Lord brought to mind. And I trust that they've been a help and encouragement to you. Uh, Just to remind you what we've done up to this point. If you recall, the first three lessons, we dealt with Paul's uh, prison prayers. And in the first one, of course, which was in Philippians chapter 1, the basic thought there was that their love would, be, uh, love would abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. And of course, who is he speaking to? Well, he's speaking to the saints, the body of Christ. And he was concerned. And these are prayers of the Holy Spirit given by Paul. It's the spirit's prayers for us. In Colossians, the spirit's desire is for spiritual insight and knowing God's will in their walk with Him. And then in the third lesson was in Ephesians, of course, there's two prayers there in chapters 1 and 3, and he prayed for spiritual uh, illumination, enabling them to experience Christ's power and the fullness of God Himself in their life. I mean, these are very personal things, very spiritual things. This is what the Spirit of God desires of every one of his dear children. And then, of course, in the fourth lesson, we talked about the lordship of Christ. You know, this is in his position in your life, his ownership of your life, and his rule in your life. And, you know, as you look at these three or four things, well, the next obvious thing is, we know what the Spirit of God's desire is for each and every one of us. From a spiritual perspective, uh, we are to grow and be used of the Lord with these things in mind. We know from God's Word that He is to be Lord and Master of our life. Yeah, we praised Him this morning that He's our Savior. What a great Savior He is. What a marvelous meeting it was. Uh, uh, I wasn't able to get up. I was ready. But I never had a chance. You know, I, that Was I discouraged? Oh, no, not at all. Because you know, every one of those things that are, were brought up, my, myself, I'm reminded of what I can re- rejoice and praise the Lord for. And those things were popping in my head, so I, I was going to get up. Well, the Lord understood that. And I, I couldn't help but think of our dear sisters, you know, who faithfully and humbly, uh, living in obedience to God's word, worship the Lord in silence at the Lord's table. Don't, don't for one moment believe that your worship is not as great, if not greater, than those who stand up, which is the responsibility of men to do. So those thoughts that were going through my mind that I couldn't get up, well, the Lord understood them. He was aware of them. So I was worshiping the Lord for those things, even though I didn't have a chance to get up and share those things. You know, it's important to understand that the Lord teaches us things for various reasons. And what we're going to be focusing on today is I think the next inevitable step to the four things we've already looked at. And this morning it's going to be serving the Lord. You know, the Lord has equipped us, the Spirit of God indwells us, His power is made available to us, we're still here. Why are we still here? Why does He equip us? It's so we can serve Him. So we're going to focus on serving this morning, and then tonight we're going to focus on the grace that God gives us that enables us to serve Him. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to begin by looking at verse 8, and we're just going to focus on that verse to get us started here this morning. Keep in mind, the title of our lesson this morning is Serving the Lord, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and look at it carefully as we read through it. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency, The sufficiency comes from who? From God. In all things may have an abundance for every good work. Let's read it again. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I enjoy Andrew Murray's writings, and I came across something in my reading some time ago, and I'll just share a little thought that he wrote down that I thought is worth sharing here. He writes, and I quote, Every thought of abounding grace is to be connected with the abounding in good works for which it is given. And every thought of abounding works and service is to be connected with the abounding grace that fits it, abounding grace has abounding works or service for its aim. That pretty well summarizes this verse here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. You see, if we are going to abound in service for the Lord, our priorities have to be in order. And we have kind of touched on those priorities in in Paul's three prison prayers and on the message on the Lordship of Christ. Now, a question comes to mind. You know, if you belong to the Lord, if you have been reconciled by Jesus Christ, what is the deepest desire of your heart? I've known the Lord for 64 years. Some of you longer, some of you less. It doesn't matter the number of years. But you know, since Christ came into your life, what can you honestly say has been the greatest desire of your life? Well, I couldn't help but think for myself, is it not to please him? Is it not to serve him? You know, when you think about the things we worship the Lord for this morning, marvelous time. Really enjoyed it. I'm sure the Lord did too. When you think of all he's done for us, don't you really want to please him? How can you not want to please him? Don't you want to serve him? It was ironic uh, the number of times the word servant came up in the Lord's at the Lord's table this morning and I thought, well, here we see the Lord working again. This happens quite often when I go from place to place and I have something I'm going to minister on and all of a sudden the seed has already been planted. Of course, we were talking about our great servant, the great servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, He's our example. We are His children. We're His blood-bought children. Shouldn't we be serving Him? In return, we are to abound in service. You know, what then, if we're going to serve Him, what are the fundamental qualifications for serving and pleasing the Lord? Well, we can go through a lot of them, because there are many, but three really stood out as to me as being indispensable and prior to all others, and is found in John 21... Verses 15 through 19. So we're going to have you turn to that. And we're going to get to it in just a moment. But you know, here we have in this little passage in John, a heart-to-heart talk between the Lord and John. There's nothing better than having a heart-to-heart talk with the Lord. Uh, We find ourselves doing much of the talking But we have to understand, we have to do even more in listening to what the Lord has to say. Now, he may not speak to me audibly as I'm speaking to you today, but we know he speaks to us very strongly and vividly through his word. But here, Peter and the Lord are talking face to face. And as I thought about Peter... You know, we read from Peter his own writings. In 1 Peter 1 1, he calls himself an apostle. In 2 Peter chapter 1, along with in verse 1, along with apostle, he also calls himself a bond servant. And then in chapter 5 of his first epistle, he calls himself an elder. And it says there he's encouraging fellow elders or shepherds to sheep or shepherd and sh- the, the sheep or the flock of God. So we know from his own admission that he was an apostle, he was a bond servant, and he was an elder. Now it's interesting in Ephesians chapter four. We're not going to turn to that in verses eleven and twelve. Paul received a message from the Lord from the risen ascended Christ. And what the risen ascended Christ told him is that he was going to give to the church gifted men to carry out the work that needed to be done in the church. And, of course, the five gifts that he gave to the church as the risen ascended Christ were apostles, they were prophets... They were evangelists, they were elders, and they were teachers. Those are five gifted men that Christ gave to the church. And as I thought about those particular gifts, you know, these aren't the only gifts that were given in Scripture. We know that many gifts were given by the Holy Spirit. In fact, when the Spirit of God comes into your life, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, he brings spiritual, a spiritual gift or gifts with him into your life i was saved at the age of 11 and it's obvious that at that time he gave me some gifts so i didn't know what they were at that point it was only as life progressed in my relationship with the lord that those things became evident in my life because they were beginning to be manifested and you know the gifts of apostles and prophets you know the these are those who were gifted to preach and to establish churches. And we may think in the, you know, the literal sense of the term, these two things have passed away. But you know, there are those who associate those two gifts with missionaries. And I understand we do have quite a few people here interested in missions. And I know from our own assembly we had four men the Lord took out of our assembly, gifted men, and put them on the mission field. And every last one of them went out to places where the gospel had not been preached. And they preached the gospel. And people were saved. And they established churches. And those churches began to grow. And some of them established numerous churches. Well, I'm not saying that they were apostles and prophets, but they certainly were doing the same type of ministry. You know, Peter was, said, was told about going into all the world and preach the gospel and then baptize people and, of course, build churches. So we know Peter was an apostle. And then you say the other gifts here that we just talked about, evangelists and pastors or elders and teachers, well, they all are important, obviously, because the Lord gave them to the church. They're necessary. Why do we need evangelists? Well, we need them to go out and preach the gospel and bring people in to the church. Why do we need teachers? Because once they're brought in, they have to be taught the word of God. And why do we need elders or shepherds or under shepherds? So important. Because they are to take care of the spiritual well-being and needs of those saints that have been brought in and are being taught. They need to be cared for, and that's the responsibility. As I thought about these things, I thought, you know, in this heart-to-heart talk with Peter we're going to read about here in a moment, you know, in what capacity was the Lord speaking to him? Well, I have a feeling, you know, Peter probably, if he didn't have all of these gifts, he had the vast majority. We know he was an apostle. We know he was an elder. And we know he taught. You know, but what capacity? And I want us just to keep that in mind because you see, I don't know if you know what your spiritual gift is, and this isn't going to be a lesson on spiritual gifts. It's just to let you know that the Lord has given these gifts to the church, and they are important. Every last one of them. If they weren't, why would the Lord give them to the church? And I know myself, uh, having been an elder for many, many years, and visiting so many different assemblies in my lifetime, the strength of any local church is directly tied into the strength of the spiritual leaders, the elders of that church. And I was blessed to be with a group of men who just knew and loved the Lord and had a servant's heart and a shepherd's heart for the Lord's people. And it was a great meeting. This is a great meeting. And yet, you know, I couldn't help but notice uh, on the bulletin, and I've noticed it before, and I'm not meddling here or being critical. (laughs) I'm just a little concerned. On the back here, we have two elders. And I know both of them. They're good brothers. They're good elders. But you know, two elders is really not a sufficient number for a meeting this size. you know, two is better than one. But what's the problem with just two? Well, if they can't agree, nothing ever gets done. You know, I I know many of you very, very well. I've been coming here 20 years. And I know there are many in this meeting, men in this meeting who are more than qualified to be an elder. And I know it's also the responsibility of elders to seek out those others to become elders. But I also know it's a responsibility of those who have been gifted by the Lord for this. To do the work of an elder. And I look back how many elders that I knew from this assembly. Many are now with the Lord. Yes, some have stepped down because they've been doing it for years and years and years. That's understandable. But I think we should be praying. You're going to have a meeting on spiritual things. This would be something to pray for that the Lord will raise up more men who are willing to shepherd and care for the flock of God here. Hopefully that is not taken as a critical comment, but just one of concern. Now getting back to what we're talking about here, in one essence was the Lord speaking to Peter here. Well, I think from the context of what you're going to see as we read, to me, again, it has to be dealing with shepherding or caring for the flock, which we find him doing in chapter five of his first epistle. So in John chapter uh, 21, let's just look at verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And we know that the word love there is phileo. I'm very fond of you is what the Lord is hearing from Peter. I'm very fond of you. It is not agape love. Uh, And we know that's what it should be. But let's be honest. Uh, Amongst us as men and women in the flesh, uh, godly love is within us because Christ is within us, and he is God. But for us to betray agape love, uh, I'm not sure. In the weakness of our flesh, that's possible. But it is through the power of the Holy Spirit to have that come out. But basically, let's not be overly critical with Peter here. And he said unto him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now, with these things in mind, you know, I think to me this is one of the things that the Lord is impressing upon Peter is to care for the the flock of God. And we said, you know, what's what's necessary to be a real servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I think we have three things here that are brought to our attention that are vital if we're going to serve the Lord. The first one is, lovest thou me? Do you love me? I'm not asking that. I'm standing what the Lord said. "Do you love me?" He's asking every one of us that. You know, three times he asked Peter that question. And you know, everything hinges on the answer to that question. How much he loved the Lord? You see, everything is determined by the degree to which we really love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, is is it obvious to those around you that you truly love the Lord as demonstrated by your service for the Lord amongst his people? Only you can answer that. The second thing that must be true of a servant of the Lord, is a sense of commission or a command by Christ. You see, three times our Lord responded to Peter's vow that he loved him with a commission. The first time he said in response to that statement, I love you, well then feed my lambs, the babes in Christ, the little ones in Christ, feed them. Take care and feed the sheep that I have entrusted to you, The third thing that pleased the Lord and makes a true servant of the Lord Jesus Christ is obedience in following him. You see, after the Lord had asked Peter, lovest thou me, and after he had given him these three commands, and I already mentioned one, but he also said, as you know, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, he then says, follow me. Follow me. Uh, There's there's several connotations to follow. Uh, Sometimes we think following means you walk right behind. You're following the person in the lead. And that's a fairly good definition. It's not one of my favorite. Uh, It certainly isn't walking in front of that person. And yet how many times do we, as the Lord's children, barge ahead on our own and not follow the Lord? We leave him behind, thinking we have a good idea and we can do it better than he would probably want us to do it. To me, the best way to describe the word follow me is walk side by side. You think of the two, uh, the road to Emmaus, uh, uh, or on, on, on the Damascus road, who were, well, I guess I'm going to confuse, on the Emmaus road, where the Lord appears to them. I can just envision him in the middle. One on each side, listening to the Lord. I always always appreciate that passage in Scripture where the Lord says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What's a yoke? I've shared this before. Two stalls. The Lord's yoke, he's on one side. Put yourself on the other side. Walking. Side by side with the Lord, and let him lead you and guide you and direct you in your life. You have to follow the Lord. See, do you love him? Well, then serve him. And if you're going to serve him, you're going to have to do it by walking side by side with him and following him. You're not going to do it in your own strength. And that's going to be the main message come this evening, Lord willing. Now, a few additional thoughts here related to serving the Lord because we only have so much time. Keep this passage in mind in John and reread it and evaluate in your own life where you really fit in there. Now, another thought I want to bring to line is this. Every Christian is expected to serve. Does anybody here really feel you're exempt as a believer from serving the Lord? Well, I, I would venture to say you all said, well, no, I already I believe I should serve the Lord. Well, then the next question is, are you? And how well are you serving the Lord? See, does everybody around here know how much you love the Lord by the degree by which you serve the Lord amongst his people? And when God calls his elect to himself, he calls no one to idleness. And I've said this before, um, sitting in a pew is not serving the Lord. Sitting in the pew is important. It's an encouragement to one another here, if you're here. I'm sure the Lord is encouraged as you have the desire to gather together with the Lord's people and to sit under the sound of God's word. But you know, unfortunately in Christendom today, too many people come in and they warm the pew for an hour or two. And that's it. That's not really serving the Lord. And Hebrews 9.14, tells us that we are cleansed by the blood of Christ to serve the living God. That's why you've been cleansed. Oh, yes, it's to take you to glory. So that'll bring joy to him when you're in glory with him. But he's saved you and cleansed you to, so you can serve him. You can't serve him apart from him. And Psalm 102 reminds us that every Christian or believer is commissioned to serve the Lord God with gladness. Not out of obligation, guilt. You're to serve him with with a heart of gladness. 1 Thessalonians 1.9, we are to serve the living and true God. Point blank, it tells us that. You see, there is no such thing as spiritual unemployment or retirement in in God's service. Our sphere of service may change. Mine has several times, but no matter if the sphere of service might change, I'm still expected to serve. And you seek the Lord's face as to how he would have you serve him, you can rest assured he will let you know how you can serve him. Yes, every Christian is expected to serve. The next thing I just want to mention, motivation to serve. You know, motivation is a marvelous thing. It's amazing what we can do when we're motivated. The problem is most of us make it it very difficult to get motivated to serve the Lord. I'm going to just mention five motives that should encourage you to serve the Lord. I want you to turn quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 13, or if you don't want to turn to it, you can just listen to it. We're talking here, the first motive is obedience. Yes, good old fashioned obedience to the Lord. And this little verse here in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4, is filled with obedience. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear or reverence him and keep his commandments. And obey his voice, you shall serve him and hold fast to him. You notice almost every little phrase in there makes it pretty clear that one of the motivations for serving the Lord is just to obey him. That's what he wants us to do. We should serve the Lord simply. Because, you see, we want to obey Him. Remember what the fourth lesson was? The Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what did He say to those around Him? Why do you call me Lord and then you don't do the things that I ask you to do? They disobeyed. If He's truly Lord of your life, well, as as your Lord and Master, Obey Him. Doesn't it make sense? It's the only way you can really call Him Lord and Master if you obey Him. I came across a little statement here we disobey God when we are not serving Him. Have you ever thought of it that way? You disobey God when you're not serving Him. Not to serve God is sinful. What sin is it, the sin of omission? (laughs) You know, we always get hung up on sins of commission. We look at the world around us and the Christians around us and we see all the things they're doing that are sinful. And, boy, we recognize those right away. And we have to recognize in our own lives if we do something that is contrary to the Word of God. But I'm convinced in my own life My biggest problem isn't sins of commission. Oh, I have them. Don't don't get me wrong. I have them. But the biggest problem is sins of omission. Not doing the things I know I should do. And I can come up with all kinds of good reasons in the flesh why I can't do them. But the Lord isn't buying any one of them. When the Lord lays on your heart to do something, do it. Out of obedience. Well, if that's not enough to motivate you, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12. And again, if you don't want to turn to it, at least write it down so you can go and check it out and meditate on it because that's what you really need to do if you're, the Lord is going to speak to you about these things. I just, you should read really verses 20 through 24 because the time we're just going to look at 24. Only fear the Lord. And serve him in truth with all your heart. And here comes the key motivation. For consider what great things he has done for you. We just got through spending a whole hour rejoicing in all the things the Lord has done for us. Did you enjoy it? It thrills your heart. So what is the motivation here is gratitude. You know, it's not a burden to serve the Lord when you consider what great things He has done and continues to do for us. And we can list all kinds of things, but I'll leave that up to you to go through the passage and start going into the Word of God and look at all the things He's done for you. And it's not just what we talked about this morning. The sacrificial substitutionary death which makes reconciliation, justification, sanctification, glorification, and all kinds of other things possible in our lives. See, if we cannot be grateful servants of him who is everything and in whom we have everything, what will make us grateful? Second motivation, gratefulness. Third one is humility. Humility. It was mentioned this morning at the Lord's table in John 13. We're not going to turn to it. Most of us are familiar with it. But here you see with astonishing humility, Jesus, their Lord, their Savior, their teacher, washed the feet of His disciples as an example of how all His followers should serve Him and His children with humility. I hope you understand that the sin of pride is is what causes you to hate service. You know, if I'm called upon to do something that's really spectacular (laughs) in my eyes, in the eyes of others, it's easy to respond to that. But when I'm called upon to do something that is lowly, considered beneath me, as if any but things should be. I'm to serve humbly. What motivation? Who is the very example of that? The Lord Jesus Christ again. He humbled himself. We can never humble ourselves to the degree that he did. But we should be willing to humble ourselves in serving him and our brothers and sisters in Christ. A fourth motivation, one we've already mentioned, is love. Of course, in Galatians five thirteen, it says Sir, we are to serve one another through love. And again, that's the very basis of heart of service. You know, in 1 John 4, 10 and 11, here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, that which satisfies God for our sins. Now, that's love. We love that verse, but what does the next verse say? If God so loved us that way, we should love one another the same way. We're not too excited about that verse, and yet it's there. The more we love the Lord Jesus Christ, the more we will live for him and serve him. And the more we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, the more we will serve them. That's what the Lord would have us do. And the final thing I just want to mention here as a motivation, we are gifted to serve. Now we touched on that already. All of us have been gifted by God to the Holy Spirit. And, of course, those that the, the risen, glorified Christ gave to the church, those gifts, we've been gifted to serve. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Well, you may not yet. not That's not always a negative. I didn't know what my spiritual gifts were when I was saved at 11. I didn't even really know what they were when I was 15. It wasn't until I was almost out of high school moving on into the college ages that I began to realize. You know, I really kind of love the Lord's people. I love being around them. And I'm willing to do whatever I can to help one if I have to. And because of the help of some dear spiritual leaders, uh, the Pell Brothers and so forth, they began to make me realize, Bob, you have the gift to teach. I'll give you five minutes. You just take the first five minutes. Take any topic you want and I'll follow it up, which they could do. <laughs> five minutes, can you do that? Well, at first I said, no. But finally, because of the constant asking, because they saw something, I said, okay. And then it was up, well, now can you take 10 minutes? Can you take 15 minutes? You see, you begin to learn. And you know, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, ask some of the people around you. We're all gifted to serve. You see, God's purpose in giving you a spiritual gift is for you to serve Him and His children with it. It does no good to sit on your spiritual gift and there's no excuse for not knowing it. Ask the Lord to reveal it. Talk to some brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's where the elders come in again. There's your spiritual leaders. Go to them and say, pray with me about this. You'd be surprised sometimes the spiritual insight they can give you about your spiritual gift because they see it maybe in the infant stage. But it's there. Well, we have to bring this to a conclusion. So the big question I'm going to put before you is this. Since you are expected to serve, and you are gifted to serve, are you willing to serve? See, French time is the third one. <clears throat> The Lord has made it clear you're expected to serve. You just read through His Word, you're going to see it over and over and over again. And you're also gifted to serve. God's Word makes that very clear. What's left? Are you willing to serve? You know, may each of us be willing to faithfully serve the Lord and His blood-bought people. Now, for those of you who say, well, you know, I'm not worth an awful lot. I is not a lot of I can contribute. Well, come out tonight. Uh, the excuse that I can't do it has no merit at all. There is some truth to that. You can't do anything in yourself to serve the Lord. But tonight we're going to point out why you can. And you can do it very well because he's the one who equips you and gives you the grace to serve him. So hopefully you can come out tonight and we can finish this little series up and so it'll be an encouragement and help in your life. Shall we pray? Our gracious God and dear Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful again for your beloved Son and our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so thankful again for your word. We're so thankful for the record of your heart to heart talk with Peter. And we understand that that same heart to heart talk is directed to each and every one of us. Oh, may our love for you give us a desire to serve thee. And we understand that we're expected. To serve thee and we've been gifted to serve thee may we just be willing to allow you to work in and through our hearts and lives to your name's honor and glory and the building up the saints amongst those who we fellowship with this part is now with your blessing be with us through this afternoon and bring us out this evening if it be your will we ask these things in jesus precious name amen